Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. that is never the case in prayer that it would be a familiar voice and for it to be a familiar voice it ought to be a familiar time and a consistent time and I'm thankful for the privilege to know him and the power of his might if you have your Bibles today I want you to join us in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7 and we're going to read a very familiar passage of scripture one that is obviously fitting for the context of our day and season, the season of our life. And I asked the Lord um, early on this morning if he would just honor his word today and honor all of us who've gathered to warm not just our hands, but we've gathered to warm our hearts around the central truth of God's infallible word. Hallelujah. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verses 7. If you want to remain seated, that's fine. Let's just read along. And let's look at this very familiar story. Beginning Luke 2 and 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shine, this sign shall be, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Amen. What a familiar story. It's certainly familiar during this time of the year. During this particular season, by the way, it seems like these seasons are starting earlier and earlier, don't they? Yeah, we're just... Just barely wrapping up summer and we're already here, the next one coming. But it's during this time of the year that we uh, turn our eyes and our attention toward the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today that 
among all the ills that you may be able to validly point out about the country that we live in, among all of its faults and all of its failures and problems, I'm still very humble to be an American. Amen. Very humble to be an American. Because we are in America, we have been given the privilege to pause and give honor to the birth of Jesus Christ. And um, I realize to some degree that we are probably all saddened when we see how distorted Christmas has become to so many. Um, as a matter of fact, in some ways, I suppose it's, it's almost unrecognizable when we think about the true purpose, at least, of what it's all about. Too many times, um, people go way too far in debt to buy gifts, and, um, which is so unnecessary, and people spend many months of the next year just trying to pay off uh, those those things, I, I completely think that's uncalled for. Someone uh, aptly said we many times spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> so we kind of need to shake the cobwebs out of our head and say, wait a minute. I mentioned this Wednesday evening at our HAC family Christmas dinner. The most important thing we'll ever have is one another. Our family, whatever it may or may not be. What a privilege we've been given to have the network of family and then when you bring into that the, the uh, invaluable gift of the family of God, the church family of God. Again, with all of its ills, ups and downs and imperfections, I'm very, very thankful for the family of God and what we have. And so this is not about who can spend the money to buy the most toys, and toys don't really change through the years. They just get more expensive. But uh, what we really must declare this morning is one thing and one thing only, and that is the fact that a Savior was born. And that's why we're here. This is not about a few days off. This is not about eggnog. This is not about a lot of the things that we make it about. But this is the fact that Jesus Christ was born. On December the 25th, that's not what we're here to debate. We're talking about Jesus Christ was born. That's just the day that we pause and say, today we're going to acknowledge this. And we're going to honor the fact that a, the, that a Savior was born. Even though I have read a, a great portion of the Christmas story and despite the fact additionally that we are only uh, hours away from celebrating Christmas Day, uh, Christmas is not altogether what I want to speak about this morning, although it's a part of that. I just want to really direct our attention to the manger. Um, the manger. This is an insignificant seemingly insignificant part of the story, but I think that it becomes and has become the center of the story. When we think about the manger, the literal definition of the word is a box or a trough in a stable or a barn from which horses and cattle and other animals may eat. And so when we think about that in light of its true definition, uh, there's not a whole lot to get excited about. As a matter of fact, out of the 783,137 words that are 
used to make up the King James Version of the Bible, there are only three mentions of the word manger, and they're all three found in the passage that I read to you today. So there's something we have to understand. This was an insignificant piece of furniture or a piece of equipment, I guess, maybe would be a better use of the word in its truest definition because it was an implement or something that was used to feed animals. And so it wasn't all that significant. Just a box or a trough that was found in most any barn or most any stable. As a matter of fact, not only was the manger just a simple piece of furniture, but in the truest sense of the word, it could have been done without because you could throw a little hay on the ground and a horse will eat it. It doesn't have to be just right and uh, it doesn't have to have all the decorations and all the things of that nature. It really wouldn't matter uh, if you didn't have one at all. So it certainly wouldn't matter what you made it out of. And I realize that I'm speaking to people who have probably made some troughs along the way in your life, uh, literally, and uh, some of those may be real fancy and some of those just may be in some scrap lumber laying around that you had to do real quick because the sun was about to set. And uh, you're gonna get around to changing that later, but it's probably still right where you left it. It doesn't have to be real fancy. It doesn't have to be a whole lot because it really just serves one purpose and it's just a trough or it's just a manger and nobody's gonna debate that. Nobody's gonna walk up there and say, I think that's a little out of square. I think this is a little crooked. It might've been better if you'd used a different size nail. Uh, probably no one is gonna have that conversation because it truly is an insignificant piece of furniture in that sense. And uh, as I mentioned, you could probably do with it out without it all together because frankly, a cow or a horse or a goat or a sheep is probably gonna eat whatever you throw down wherever you throw it. So manger or no manger, we're gonna get by. But in this particular story, there happened to be a manger. Amen. Nevertheless, this night, this night in question, this night at the center of our story, the manger was gonna be called on for a brand new adventure. Something was going to take place and it was going to take place in a very um, off-the-cuff fashion. There just happened to be no room in the inn. They found themselves in a barn or in a stable and so this was not by design of man. This just seems to be a very off-cuff. We're just gonna to try to make a bed here for an infant child. But what that manger had no idea what was about to happen because forever and ever to this very moment, the idea of a manger, the very word manger is gonna change its significance in the minds and the hearts of all of us. It went from just being an unimportant piece of furniture in a stable transformed into something that is certainly no small thing at all. This lowly piece of furniture, this lowly trough was about to reach the pinnacle of worldly acclaim all because of what was about to be laid in it. Amen. It started its day and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I realize it's an inanimate object but it started its day as any other day and perhaps it had even been used earlier in the day for its given purpose but now 
They laid Jesus, the Christ child, in this manger and the complexion of everything changed from that moment forward. Because when Jesus was placed in the manger, it transformed the world's perception of what a manger and the purpose of a manger is all about. As I said earlier, the word has only been used just a few times, three times, in the entire King James Version of the Bible. But everybody understands what you mean when you say that. You can find somebody, it doesn't even have to be in December. You can find somebody in the, on the hottest July day and you can mention the word manger and everybody's mind runs to one particular place because, because all because somebody took a baby and laid it in the manger. It wasn't an ordinary baby, you understand that. It was Jesus Christ, God himself robed in flesh. And so when we hear the word manger, when we visualize that, we've seen very, very many renditions of that. Um, we've used them through the years in various nativity scenes that we've done here at the church, whether it was here or somewhere else. And so our mind kind of goes to a fixed place in time. You probably have a little object in your head uh, at this very moment about, about what a manger may look like. But there's one thing for sure. When we envision the manger, our minds are not thinking about cattle or horses or sheep or goats. We're thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ. So the manger was a very significant part of this moment, insignificant and in the beginning, but it's about to become a significant part of our life. Our mind goes to that miraculous moment that God Almighty robed himself in flesh. Just as Isaiah had prophesied, this child was born of a virgin. And, and uh, though its circumstances seemed so far beyond the realm of reason, it happened just like the prophets of old said it would happen. And through this virgin birth, amen, they placed Jesus Christ into the manger and forever changed the perception of that for all mankind. Ask most people what a manger is and I sincerely doubt that they're gonna break out into Webster's definition and start talking to you about how it's a, an object that's used to feed animals because for the most part and certainly in the world of Christendom, we're gonna think about the very thing that we're celebrating this season. Most of the time, you're gonna hear that it's a place where when, infant, when the infant Jesus Christ was born, that's where he was laid. In other words, the addition of the Christ child completely changed the dynamics of the manger's definition and the manger's purpose. Because without Christ, it was just one thing and one thing only. It just served this purpose and no other purpose. But when you put Jesus in the mix, amen, there is this Jesus effect. And when you put Jesus in the mix, what a difference is made, forever changed. A simple box, a simple trough, but once you add Jesus to that, it received world prominence and notoriety. And that is the very same thing with you and I. Without Christ, we were insignificant and without hope. We didn't have a lot going our way. The world may have perceived us powerless without any direction. We were defined by the opinion of others and, uh, and, and, and we could only reach the success in the, that others would allow us to reach in, in their minds. We were defined by 
this world and its pattern. The only thing I was considered any good uh, would just be uh, frustration and grief. The only thing that we could think about ourselves is just that in our flesh we are so weak and frail and there's nothing and we have very, very little to offer. Not Webster's Dictionary, of course. Satan had defined me as his plans for me. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to Simon Peter and shockingly remind him that Satan desired to have him to sift him as wheat or to utterly destroy him, in other words. And so the devil certainly has plans or had plans for you and I. But I'm thankful that even though without Christ in my life being defined as insignificant or weak or powerless or traveling without any real direction or just headed for ultimate destruction, uh, whatever the definition may have been, whatever the tagline may have been that someone put on me, I'm thankful that in August of 1979, something happened in this very building that changed all of that. Amen. I'm thankful that the spirit and the power of God made a significant difference in my life. I had an experience that I just couldn't get over. I was raised in church I had an experience with the Lord that I would never deny at the age of seven, but I'm gonna tell you that at 17, something really happened in my life. Amen, something really awakened. I got a hold of something. Amen, I think earlier in my life, something got a hold of me. But later in my life, I got a hold of that something. And that made all the difference in the world. I shared the insignificance that this world had tagged me with the weakness and the powerlessness, those things that had so long defined my life, those things that had defined your life as well. And then the power of God, because he came into my heart, into my life, things became significantly different. And it all happened because I added Jesus Christ to my life. Amen, old things, the scripture said, are passed away. And behold, all things become new. I want you to think about something with me this morning. Think about the things that can happen when you add Jesus to the mix. As, at a disastrous moment, during a wedding celebration, they were out of wine and all they had was six pots partially filled with water. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, there's somebody here that can do something about that. Even though Jesus said, mine hour is not yet come, Mary would have nothing to do with that. And she just turned to the servants and said, whatever he says to do, you do it. It was as though he had not even responded. It was as though he had never even opened his mouth. She just turned to the servants and said, whatever he says to do, that's what you ought to do. And at that moment, Jesus told them to fill those water pots to the brim and then to dip of that and serve it to the governor. And you know that was the record of the very first miracle recorded for us in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so when you add Jesus to just six partially filled pots of water, by the way, that was used to wash their hands and their feet and their face from the journey. And so it wasn't clean, crystal clear water, but it was used water that we would have beforehand not wanted anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, some of the last people there to wash their hands probably reluctantly stuck their hands down in that nasty, muddy water. Much less will we think about drinking of that. But when you put Jesus in the mix, 
just like it changed the perception of the manger from just a place to hold a little bit of hay to that that holds the very power of the glory and the majesty of God, so too, so too of our lives been changed. It really matters what happens when you put Jesus in the mix. Barnabas was just another blind man. Amen, blindness has always been a part of human history. It's always been a part of, of some of the things that mankind faced, whether it was born blind or whether some accident uh, prematurely robbed sight. Blind Barnabas was just another blind man until he heard that Jesus was coming and he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I just love this next part. When those around him tried to quiet him down and hush him and say, you don't need to be doing all this, he cried the louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was just a blind man. We would have never known anything about him. He would have been born, lived, and died, and we would know nothing about him except he decided one day, I've had this blindness long enough, and I'm gonna add Jesus to my life and see what Jesus can do. If he can change the manger from just a trough filled with hay to something that has such world prominence, he can possibly do something about these eyes that cannot even see. And so when he added Jesus to his life, it made all the difference in the world. When the woman at the well of Samaria was, even though she was looked down on because of her past and who she was, there was still something that was drawn in her, a heartstring that was pulled when he asked for some water. It struck up a conversation. I don't think she was just trying to talk for the sake of talking, but there was something about this man that had sparked something eternal in her heart. Her curiosity was twisted. A light was coming on. How is it? How is it that you being a Jew could ask of me, a Samaritan, for water? What in the world is going on? And then out of nowhere, Jesus Christ reveals to her who he really is. The scripture said that she left her water pot. She left her past. Amen. She left, she left everything that she brought there and she ran to the city and said, you just need to come meet a man that has told me all things. And you know what? Some of the things he told her wasn't real pleasant things. But you need to come meet a man. You need to come meet a man that has told me all things. And he began to describe the misery of her past and how that she had searched here and here and here and here trying to find something to fill that void realizing that that is not at all going to be what it takes to fill the void. But when she added Jesus to her life, it changed everything. An angry group once brought another woman and they were about to serve as judge and jury and they drug her to a dusty intersection to the feet of Jesus and with rocks in their hands and murder in their heart, 
They said, we have caught her in the very act of adultery and now according to the law of Moses, we're going to stone her. But there was something in Jesus, not that he would overlook sin, not that he would just embrace sin, but there was something called compassion in the heart of Jesus and he reached down and wrote something in the sand that was apparently none of our business. Amen, well, whatever he wrote in the sand was significant enough for him to stand and say, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. One by one by one by one. Brother Polk, I'm not sure how long that took, but all you could hear was the thud of rocks that were dropping as men and women with confessed sin in their heart. I think you need to, I think you need to understand that. Men and women with confessed sin in their heart. Because he said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so men and women with confessed sin in their heart begin to drop the rocks and walk away. And he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Go and sin no more. What? took this situation from murder? What took this situation from bloodthirst? What took this situation from people so boldly wanting to hold on to the law and cast their rocks? What took this from that situation to a moment of reconciliation? It was all because unwittingly they drug her into the presence of the only one that could really do anything about the situation. Amen. They were coming there for affirmation. They were coming there for blood. They were coming there with murder on their mind. But what they found out, what they found out is that when this woman experienced Jesus, what happened to her was the same thing that happened to the manger. It was just simple. It was insignificant. It mattered little. No one, if they lost it, no one, if it got burned, or no one, if it got stolen, would want to file a claim on it. They'd just find some more scrap lumber and build another one. But when you put Jesus in the mix, now that changed everything. When you laid Jesus Christ, the hope, the hope for sinners slain, the hope for sin, the hope, the hope for all eternity, when you put Jesus in the mix, it changes everything. Let's clap our hands to that King of Kings today. <coughs> Hallelujah. Amen. It changes everything when you put Jesus in the mix. You see, there are people, and I don't want to take away from anything that, or anyone that may serve as a mentor or an encourager to you. Certainly don't want to take away any spiritual heroes. But I just have to tell you today that you find the man or the woman most powerfully used of God in any generation, whether it would be previous to now or this generation that we're living in. And I'm gonna tell you, if you could peel back the layers of all the godliness, if you could peel back all the layers of all the goodness, if you could peel back all the layers of all the things that God has wrought in their life, if you get to the core of it all, you're just gonna find a frail human being. No matter how many pulpits they may grace, no matter how many sermons they may preach that resets the trajectory of our lives spiritually, 
No matter what they have meant to us, whether it was through a formal sermon that just challenged our hearts or whether it was just one-on-one when they were just letting iron sharpen iron. When you peel away all the layers of God, you just have man. And man in its rawest form is probably not all that great. They're full of insecurities, full of frailties. I know what I'm talking about today. They feel rickety as the manger felt. They feel insignificant as the manger must have felt. They feel probably as worthless as the manger must have felt. But it was just something about the power of God being laid in their lives that changed everything. And so I'm thankful for godly leaders and I'm not at all trying to take away from that or the idealism of that. But when you peel it all away, it's pretty rough. Pretty rough. I... Through, through the last many, many years have had, I don't know if it's fortune or misfortune or just maybe somewhere a, a mix in between, of watching people in their last days of their life and some even in their last hours and moments of their life. And when you think about all that a certain person may have accomplished and all they've done in their lives and how significant they have been to you, whether it may be parents or or other influencers or people that just somehow impacted your life. But in death, and and I'm not trying to sound morbid, but I, I do want to make a point, that in death, all of that just kind of is bleached out. And all you see is humanity and and it's frailty all you see is humanity and its weakness that's all you see because really what made the difference to all of those people was the fact that Jesus Christ had done a work in their life and that he had been the catalyst and that he had been so much of the driving force in their lives I know I've mentioned this a lot in the last several months and I've I suppose apologize in part for that, but in the last few years, we have lost some real, real heroes of faith in the world of Pentecost. We have lost some men and women who, who left gigantic footprints that leaves all of us who remain with huge questions in our mind, who could ever feel those shoes and who could ever cast a shadow like the shadows that have been cast from generations before. I'm not suggesting that it's not going to happen or it isn't already happening. But when you think about the loss of men like J.T. Pugh and when you think about the loss of men like Brother O.R. Foss and when you think about men like C.M. Beckton and N.A. Urshan and men who have just who have literally been world changers, not just changing and brightening the little corner of the world that they stood in, but we're talking about men who traveled the world, the world wide, and they changed hearts and lives. And, and for the most part, the world of Pentecost is where it is because of men, many men, many more than just those mentioned, but men like that. And when you think about all they have done, yet 
they were rolled out, and I say this respectfully, but they were rolled out of a sanctuary foot first just like anybody else. It was the power of God in their lives that made all the difference. It was the power of God and the anointing of God. That was the difference maker. That was the change maker. I'm not suggesting that they had no raw talent, gifts, or abilities, but God took all of that and, and he made the manger into something significant. He made common men and women into something significant. Uh, I remember several years ago, my wife had gone to a ladies' conference and, and Sister Nona Freeman was uh, the guest speaker that year and this was back many years ago and it was before CDs and along the hour of cassette tapes and if we have some of our young people here that don't know what cassette tapes, you explain that to them. <laughs> cassette tapes was a step up from the eight track tape and that was a step up from the reel to reel and that was a step up from the telegraph. But my wife brought these cassette tapes home of Sister Nona Freeman and for many, many years we have heard of Sister Freeman and her, her husband and they had served as missionaries for the vast majority of their lives and they were world changers, world changers and my wife had the opportunity to meet Sister Freeman at this conference and was so impacted by not just meeting her one-on-one -on -one, but also her ministry during those services and so she brought home these cassette tapes and with her enthusiasm of sharing with me what it had been like to have been in with this woman and in her presence. I'm not trying to make a superstar at them but it is what it is and 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 she said you just gotta listen to this and you, you gotta listen to this and I, I lost track of how many nights that I put on my little headphones and my little Walkman, and that's something else you may have to explain to somebody. But I put my, <laughs> put my little Walkman on the, the head of the bed, and we've come a long way. Lord have mercy. We've, <laughs> we've come a long way. You had the big old headphones, you couldn't even roll over it, and just had to lay, everything, lay flat on your back. But I remember many, many nights just laying still and, and just listening to the words of this wise woman as she began to impart powerful and spiritual truths. And then, and then years later, we watched as age just begin to slow walk her down and poor health begin to dog her like it dogs most everybody else in their lifetime. And after a while, she draws her last breath and she is gone from this world. And now it's just a testimony. And you realize that in fact, it was just a manger. And what made the difference was the fact that somebody had laid Jesus in their life. That made the difference. Oh, may Nona Freeman's name forever live in eternity and may it forever live in our minds and in our hearts. I'm not trying to take away from that at all. But when they leave this world, you realize that they were just a piece of flesh. They were clay, an earthen vessel. And they said, God, here I am and I'll just open my heart and my life to you. I'll be used of you. It was the Jesus factor that changed the manger. It was the Jesus factor that changed the wedding of Cana at Galilee. It was the Jesus factor that changed the trajectory of the woman at the well of Samaria. It was the Jesus factor 
that changed the woman's destiny and her fate as she stood at that intersection that day with judge and jury standing around, blood in their heart, murder on their mind. It was the Jesus factor. The manger is not a trough. It's not a hay trough. It's not a feed trough in our mind. You know why? Because Jesus was laid in it. And today, we don't have to be just John and Sue and Sally and Jim, but we can have the Jesus factor. We can bring him into our lives. Oh, yes, we can. And what he did for the manger, he can do for you and I. What happened in the manger, what happened on that night can happen in our lives as well. Oh, I think we ought to love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are nothing without him, but by him and through him, we are all things. We are all things. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. I'm gonna tell you, when we obey the command of James, and the sick call for the elders of the church. And the elders follow the commission of God and we anoint with oil and lay hands. If anything happens, friend, it will have nothing to do with the hand. And it'll have nothing to do with the oil. But it'll have everything, everything to do with a need followed by obedience being brought into the presence of Jesus. He is the change maker. He is the change maker. I'm gonna ask our musicians, if they will, to make their way to the platform. The wooden crosses that we so readily recognize by initial design were there to murder criminals of that era. But one day in particular, they hung Jesus on the cross. And the cross from that moment to now becomes significant. Because no matter where you see a cross, whether you see three crosses or you just see a cross. I am pretty sure, I'm safe to say, that our minds don't think about justice for families that have been wronged. We probably don't even ask ourselves, I wonder why they were killed. I wonder what crime they committed even though that was its intended purpose and that was what it was used for. See, one day in addition to two thieves, they lifted that baby out of the manger and 33 and a half years later, they stretched him across that cross and it forever changed our perception of the cross. We don't think about murder 
We don't think about thieves. We think about hope. <laughs> if, you, if you could just somehow forget what we know about the cross and go back to the cross the day before the crucifixion. And if you could see those crosses the day before, 24 hours before, 12 hours before, those crosses represented one thing and one thing only in the minds of men. But when they nailed him to one, the Jesus factor changed it forever. And now when we see a cross, we don't shudder in fear. But we weep because of redemption. Because they placed Jesus on the cross. I hope I'm not taking this out of context, but something powerfully significant happened when they stood that cross up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, and I know what it's talking about, but just for the sake of this illustration, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And here's what I think. You, you think what you will, but here's what I think. I think that Jesus Christ became much more than a dying man that day. And additionally, I think that when a person who knows anything about God at all sees a cross, they remember him, him. The innocent lamb shedding innocent blood. First John 2 and 2 says of Jesus, and he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So here's something that we all need to know. The answer to our transformation is Jesus. The way to conquer our weakness to sin is Jesus. It's not more willpower. We don't have to be dictated by people's opinions nor their mentalities. Don't ever again have to be bound by Satan's directives or his decrees. We just simply need to pull Jesus into our life. And if he can do it for the manger and if he can do it for the cross, he can do it for me. I'm thankful that I know him. Why don't we stand? Amen. I am what I am. You are what you are. Because Jesus made the difference in our lives. Why don't we slip our hands heavenward? Can we? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.